Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and 2020 is almost done. This week, we saw three new demons welcomed into the fold of training. And in a moment, Grape Viney and I will talk with the Melbourne Football Club's National Recruiting Manager, Jason Taylor, to discuss his eighth draft, the draftees, and the recruitment process. Later, we'll be joined by Demonland Podcast regulars George and Binman to wrap up the draft and season 2020. But first, Jason Taylor. Our guest tonight is uh, the Melbourne Football Club's uh, National Recruiting Manager, Jason Taylor, who has just completed his eighth draft uh, for the Demons. Uh, Jason, thanks for giving up your time to join us once again on the Demonland Podcast. It's a pleasure. No worries, Andy. Jason, can you take us through um, the three picks, Jake Bowie, Bailey Laurie uh, and Fraser Rossman um, from this year's uh, draft and um, what positions and roles you see them playing um, for the MFC? Yeah, well, we went into this um, draft as the year unfolded that we thought that it was a really good variety of player. We would target a group of players. Um, so in um, players that, as I've been on record, stating that, you know, we just wanted to bring really good decision makers, really good ball users, um, high footy IQ, and and also we wanted to bring in um, some runs. So, you know, on the other wing to Ed Langdon, um, so we, we feel we're able to achieve all that. So with Jake, um, we're actually going to start him back. Um, he's played a little bit of footy back. He's played a fair bit of footy on the wing. He's played footy forward. Um, but he has played a little bit of footy back, but he looks really good with his run and his decision-making. He does open up the field with his foot skills. Um, and Bailey uh, initially start forward. Very creative player, either side of the body. Um, very good finisher on goal, but he does have some scope down the track to go through the midfield. Uh, just great spatial awareness, so he's a, he's just able to not only evade himself, but he'll put teammates into good spots. And um, with Fraser, uh, I was able to see Fraser a couple of times over the pre-season before COVID hit, and um, he played a little bit forward in those practice games and also on the wing. Um I think he had about 13 shots in that goal in those two games um, just with his ability to run and his speed and his aerial um, prowess. So um, we just thought that he might be a player that could really develop over time um, with his athletic profile as that taller winger. Um, and that's where he'll start with his training with the group. Are any of these guys sort of ready to play round one? Um, and if not, do you, spec- do you expect to see any of them play uh, in 2021? Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer. We don't go into any draft period really thinking that they need to play immediately. Um, we think, you know, the list is in a good enough spot, but that's not required. But that, that's up to, the, I suppose, their progress and how quickly they come on. Um, they've only had two training sessions, but uh, they've sorted in pretty well and... Um, yeah, that remains to be um, to, to be seen, to be honest. Uh, Jason, it was a pretty extraordinary year um, as a result of COVID. How did you and the recruiting team go about assessing the Victorian prospects, um, given the circumstances? Yeah, so obviously we've seen them through 16s and um, their bottom age years um, and also pre-season. You know, fortunate enough to get around us and practice games Um you know, prior to COVID hitting, and um, and that not only gave you a bit more of an insight into the growth of, um, 
you know, the more established players, but it also gave you a look at players that, you know, might come on that you, you earmark from that pre-season games to watch throughout the year. So we had a bit of a, um, a first look at some of those guys and then we just had a mountain of vision to go through and then it was about um, bringing in more vision from their school football and anything we could source really and then it's just about going over that. So it was a it was a long year really um, and working through that, just working through reference checks and um, and then, you know, we're fortunate enough to see them in a combine as well. Um, but along with all that, the South Australian and West Australian footy got going eventually and we were able to watch live stream of that over the weekends, which was really useful. Um, yeah, and we just assessed that as we normally would. Like, I think we've got an experienced enough team, um, you know, with myself and um, Kelly O'Donnell and Darren Faruja, who, who actually have been made redundant through the COVID. Um, and, you know, T- Todd Patterson did some work on the futures for us and also Tim Lamb. Um, so with that experience, I think that, you know, it's not an issue to assess players when you're doing it off vision as well. Um, I think if you're less experienced, it'd be more difficult. Obviously, a live viewing's more beneficial, but um, that's what we had to work with and um, and that's what we did. So, I mean, I, I went to a couple of country games mid-year when it opened up and then it closed down pretty quickly again. So I was able to see a little bit of that footy as well. The three draftees, they're all Victorians uh, who obviously were unable to play, like you said, uh, in the NAP Cup this year. Uh, was this a strategy to pick Victorian prospects ahead of players from South Australia and WA who had exposed for? No, nah, not at all. We assessed um, everyone on their merits um, and put them in an order as we normally would. Um, I, I, I introduced the boys to um, the playing group and, and the staff on uh, Monday and I, I spoke about, um, you know, what, what you, you learn a little bit out of COVID, we all do, and um, it's about putting your best foot forward at, at uh, each opportunity you have and, you know, representing yourself well and with purpose each occasion you get to do that. And I spoke, you know, about Jake Bowie, how he's always been a consistent player and he was able to um, put on a really good performance at the MCG on grand final day, um, not knowing, none of these boys not knowing that next year will be ripped off them. And, mm. um, and same with Bailey Laurie in the final series last year. You know, he's consistent throughout, but his final series was really, really promising. Um, and, you know, in Fraser's case, um, you know, to see his growth from last year to this year over the pre-season was, you know, unbelievable, really. And the only other opportunity he got to impress was um, through the combine, which, um, you know, I think he missed the record by one second and it was later smashed by Harry Sharp, but um, you know, he just the way he presented himself and the, the work he put in, um, you know, they're the type of things that you could put your best foot forward on each occasion you get and you know, you get rewarded. You mentioned uh some redundancies. Uh how is the soft cap uh, reduction, how is that going to affect the recruiting team sort of going forward? Yeah, well we've been able to um uh, maintain Kelly O'Donnell in a part-time role, uh, but then it's basically just down. So Tim Lamb, obviously, was manager looking after that side of it, and um, obviously looking after the drafts with um, some support from Todd Patterson, who remains in his position, looking after uh, the academies as far as um, you know NGA until 
we don't know how long we'll run for. And then um, obviously Father Sons, but he's obviously the AFLW risk manager as well. So um, it'll be different. Um, been able to um, keep our um, South Australian manager, Dave Odie, and, um, and West Australian manager, Devin Martin, and a young fella, Cameron Allen, over there. But, um, you know, all the Victorian part-timers have had to be uh, let go as well. So um, it's a different landscape. It's not um, unfamiliar, I suppose, when I first started. Uh, but um, it, it's it's been a tough year on that front and, um, and quite sad, some of the great people that have been lost to the game in the interim. Uh, Jason, can you just take us um, behind the rationale of trading picks, um, something that we're quite active, um, quite actively doing over a few seasons, um, and this year essentially, you know, picking up two early second round picks um, in what some are viewing as a, a compromise draft, um, as opposed to next year being, you know, reportedly a very strong crop. Um, what's the thinking behind that, and is it? Is it just a smart tactic to keep trading away the future and, and sorting out the present and, and, and leaving that for the next year? Yeah, well, there's a bit of that. Although they're two late first round picks. Um, so, you know, it's regardless of academy players um, jumping in. Um, and we like the variety of player. Like next year's a um, reasonable draft as well. Like every draft's pretty good, I reckon. Um, but yeah. it's also. Um, a lot of midfielders next year. Um, so we, we just like the variety of a group of players that um, we thought that we could get uh, three of those that, that, that would uh, be a good result for us. And, and like you say, next year is next year and um, a lot of water goes under the bridge and um, we just thought it was a good opportunity to get in and, and we traded away. Uh, you know, I know we did it the year before, but we ended up turning that into um, Cosy Pickett and Trent Rivers. Um, yeah. And this year, um, we've been able to bring in two first-rounders for one, albeit at the back end of the first round. Um, so, yeah, it's just about getting the players in and that group of players, as I said, that we thought could help us. Um, there, there was speculation in the lead-up to the draft that had us right into Max Holmes. How serious was that interest um, and was there a reaction when Geelong made the trade to bring him in and perhaps you know pinching him from us? No, not at all. I, I, I think that all gets a bit overstated <laughs> as far as media and, uh, you know, like, as I said, we had a group of players. Like We've done our work on, uh, you know, an enormous amount of players, really. Um, and and we, we had some interest in Max at some point. Um, it was more probably focused around that third selection. Um, but he, he was with a group of players and, and there was other players that we, you know, may have had in front of Max that went before before our selections as well, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's um, no, it certainly wasn't about that. Um, a, a lot of clubs had interest in not only Max but other players, so it's just um, the nature of the actual system, to be honest. Um, another one perhaps in the same category, Jack Carroll, who was speculated to go in the top 20 and then slid to pick 41. Yeah, I, I think that if you find doing your research, there's probably players like Jack that slide know, every yep. year, yeah. um, and maybe they haven't slipped, maybe it's just it's been reported that, um, like we did a lot of work on Jack, he, he played well on Grand Final Day also last year and um, had a pretty strong culture, so, um, you know, again, he was in a group of players that was, um, you know, that was around that mark for us, but it was, um, yeah, it's just 
you have an order and you, you stick to it. Uh, we have uh, two remaining list spots available to us. Uh, can you give us any scoops there? Have we asked any prospects to train with us over the pre-season? Uh, not not as yet, no. Um, Deacon Smith, who's a next-generation yep. academy boy, he, he'll train with us. Um, from, they can't start training with us until post, post the Christmas break. Um, Jason, you talked before about this year's group of players being very good decision-makers and... Um, uh, and, and providing a bit of run and, and skill. Um, in a broad sense, um, and I know we've asked you this question before, but is drafting about taking the best available regardless of the position or um, is it about identifying deficiencies and needs and, and picking players that, that fill those? I think it's a bit of both. I think you, you, know, you just can't keep bringing the same type. Um, so, you know... The, you are looking to, you know, bring in players that complement your current group. Um, and that's probably what there's, if you look at the last two years being able to bring in six players in, in, you know, 32 or whatever, we've been able to, um, uh, there's been a bit of best available with that. Um, we've felt Luke Jackson was best available. Um, yeah. and then there's also been some, uh, fill some needs through, those selections, um, yeah. So it, it is a a little bit of both. But I mean, you're not going to overlook a um, a player that you think can be a genuine superstar just for needs. Um, what's the latest on prospective uh, father son prospects for the D's? I believe Kobe Farmer nominated for the draft this year, but wasn't picked up. What's the latest on Kobe? And I'm sure you're keeping a close eye on Kalani White, uh, who is almost as tall as his old man now. Yeah, there's a few boys coming through in there, but they're still only around that 14, uh, 15 um, year old range. Uh, Taj Wade Wade, he'll, he'll come over and train with us as well. Sorry, but he's not until next year's yeah. draft. So that's just a common practice we would do, like with uh, Next Generation Academy players. Cody's over here visiting his father at the moment. Yeah. So we're, we're in conversations just considering whether we give him that opportunity as well. Yep. Um, yeah, but we just haven't finalised anything on that yet. Uh, just a couple more for you, Jason, and uh, extremely grateful for your time. Um, the Ben Brown trade seemed to come out of the blue um, for many supporters. When did the club become aware that snagging someone of Ben's talents was a possibility? And what do you make of the disparity um, uh, in what he cost um, to our club and, and the cost of Jeremy Cameron, um, given their very similar um, stats and profile over over recent years. Yeah, well, no, we, we they are similar in that sense. Um, we just saw an opportunity with um, Ben, you know, like as far as we think he can straighten us up a little bit there and assist Sam um, and, and Luke. So we saw that as a good opportunity when it when it arose to. Um, to then get involved in that. And um, Tim Lamb did a fantastic job in, in, you know, making the initial contact with Ben and then going from there. But uh, we, we thought, I'm not here to speak of uh, other clubs and their deals and things like that, but it's, um, we, we thought that was a fair and reasonable deal for both parties. And, um, you know, and that's what, how you, you go into the trade period and, uh, and, and that's the outcome to look for. 
In regards to our recruits over the past few years, uh, we, we haven't had the chance to see many of them in action due to injuries. Uh, there's Aaron Nitschke, who went down last year with his second ACL injury in the preseason. Harry Petty missed the entire year through injury. Uh, and not having a proper seconds competition last year made it difficult for Sparrow and Jordan, uh, the latter suffering an injury on the cusp of selection. How do you see their development and tracking? Yeah, well, obviously Tommy made some real strides uh, last year, Tommy Sparrow, before injury. Um, so we're really pleased with how it's done uh, for pre-season. Um, he's a really good position. He's put on a lot of size. Uh, he's trained very well. James and Jordan are the same. Yeah, James, I mean, the year really affected those boys. What I will say about that group is that, um, you know, their dedication is um, unbelievable, really. They... For young players, they set a fantastic example about consistency in their habits. Um, and James, the same as Tom, has come in really well. And he's running really well. He's put on some good size. And it's just about opportunity. I mean, you can't fit 28-30 into 22. That's just the reality of it. Um, and you need good young players underneath to develop. And um, I think he was very close, uh, James. And he, he, you know, he didn't put a foot wrong all year, but that... The setup of the competition made it difficult, and then he got injured. Unfortunately, at the wrong time. Um, Harry, you know, he just had those groin issues, which is disappointing. But um, he's back now, and he's training, and um, you know, um, he's training with the defenders, um, where he started in his career. And we've got really high hopes for Harry um, and Aaron. Well, it's you know, well documented that he's had the two knee injuries, which is just unfortunate, but. He's back in training and he's training very well. He's just a player that um, when you watch training and all drills and he just finds the footy. Um, so he'll be training, you know, as a winger and, um, um, you know, he can really cover the ground and, you know, fingers crossed that um, he gets a run of it. Um, a lot of promise from the class of 2019. Um, plenty of exciting signs from uh, Jackson, Cozzy um, and, and Rivers. What's it like for you watching them play their first games and making their debut? It's probably like you must feel like a parent in some ways um, watching a child go onto the field for the first time. Um, t- take us through that, if you could. Yeah, I mean, you always... Um, I'm not nervous on draft night. I'm more nervous when they get going, I suppose. <laughs> and, um, you know, you watch how they progress. But, um, yeah, I was just thrilled that... You know, I thought they were all three of them were, were able to really impact in in what was a tricky year. So, um, you know, and unfortunately, I, um, when Luke hurt his um, hamstring, I, I thought that really affected us a little bit. He was, he was really starting to improve every game, and um, you know, I think Cosie, you know, on all the, the the measurements, if you like, had a really good first year for a small forward. Um, just probably need to be a little bit more accurate on goal, but if you had been, it would have been an outstanding year. And, um, and you know, we all saw how Rivers finished off the year. So that that was really pleasing. Um, they all showed a competitive spirit. Uh, the way they've come back has been, been strong as well. Like, uh, just looking at Luke Jackson the other day, you know, it was um, unbelievable the size he's put on, and he just looks like an imposing figure, really. So got really strong hopes that they can continue their development into 2021. You must have been really wrapped with uh, when Trent Rivers uh, 
kick that sealer uh, late in the season. Uh... Yeah, I, I was I was pleased that I thought in a few of those latter games he showed a real competitive yeah. spirit to want to win. Um, and you know, the more we've got doing that, the better off we're going to be. And um, that, that was the most pleasing aspect of that. Uh, Jason, we want to thank you uh, once again uh, for your time. It's always great uh, chatting with you post-draft and just getting a little bit of insight into sort of what what goes into picking these uh, stars of the future for the D. So thank you very much for your time once again. Yeah, no worries, Andy. Jason, cheers. Thank you. That was uh, Jason Taylor and always great, uh, as I said, to speak with... um, to speak with Jason post draft, uh, it really is a fantastic insight, and thank you to the uh, Melbourne Football Club for uh, providing us with uh, with Jason uh, joining uh, us uh, tonight. Uh, Long time, Demon Lander, uh, George. Good evening, George. How are you? Good evening, Andy. Good evening, uh, Binman, when he comes on, and good evening to our listeners. And for those listeners, even 20 minutes into this podcast, it's been more entertaining and insightful than the whole of the AFL draft night when they can only manage 45 selections in the same time as it took, takes to play a game of footy. That was, that was very hard watching. Um, uh, look, I, we, look, we know there was... COVID and they couldn't all be in the same room, but I, I doubt even if everyone was in the same room, they... they would have dragged everything on uh, like they did. It, it it was just excruciating at times, and I'm sure um, they made the, you know every team had five minutes uh, to prepare. Uh, but I'm sure that they were told you have to take that entire five minutes, um, and it, it was very hard to watch. Um, uh, joining us also, Binman. Good evening, Binman. How are you? Good evening, Andy. Good evening, uh, George. Um, that was a terrific interview. The, the draft I actually found uh, it's a bit like watching Test cricket, although I love Test cricket. I guess I started off listening to it um, on SEN for my um, uh, pain, and I think it was Matt Rendell. I think, and he was yeah. quite interesting. But the way they had it, it was just so amateur hour, and like they were trying to fill five minutes. But he was he was actually quite interesting to listen to, not um, not dissimilar. I mean, he comes from a recruiting background, doesn't he? So, uh, and he's a bit of a gun. Um, but then I watched a little bit of the AFL and ended up watching a bit of the Fox. And I actually watched more of this draft night because uh, I had it on in the background than I probably ever watched. So, yeah, it was uh, it was better than trade radio, put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, well, I'm not sure where uh, Grape Viney, uh, he's having some internet problems, so uh, he may join us a bit later on, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, what did you think? Um, uh, I'll start with you, George. Uh, were, were you surprised by any of our picks? We, we seem to have, uh, with our first two picks, we've gone very small. Um, we've gone for that small, small, quick uh type forward half forward I'm not sure whether they're going to be midfielders uh Jason Taylor sort of indicated that uh Jake would perhaps play off the half back line uh were you surprised with our selections not not really Andy um I I think it was all just the final um piece in the strategy that the club's taken into the draft and trade period this year uh firstly through the draft period was get the deals that will provide you with the picks done early. You know, Bruce and Hannon were moved out pretty quickly. 
um, all settled, done, done, and out of the way. Then we finally got uh, Ben Brown over the line. Uh, that enabled us to be able to massage those picks and mix them up with future picks to be able to get those picks necessary to get the players uh, that perhaps we had a greater need for. Um, and I think that was the ultimate message that is that we drafted for the needs. It was pretty obvious, I think, to most supporters that uh, we needed uh, further um, uh, support for Cosy Pickett up forward. And we've still got a, a gap in the winging, wing area um, to support Langdon on the other side. Um, and I think that's probably where we finished up um, with these with these types of players. They, the, the sad part about watching all the um, uh, video highlights of players running around is that they don't show the defensive side of uh, what players are capable of doing. It shows them running with the ball and kicking and passing and all. I don't think I've ever seen a bad pass on any of the uh, video highlights. But I think we've got some, some good players who will probably fill our needs. Um, we just have to wait and see what will happen. Uh, so, yeah, not not unsurprising what we finished up with, given our um, relatively lowly position available to us in this draft. Be man, um, your thoughts on our pickups? Um, I think um, I was wrapped actually, and I think it was a really really good interview, by the way. And um, if you're out there, Greg Viney, uh, top job as well. Um, I thought it was really interesting. He's he said a couple of times, Jason, that um, about footy high footy IQ and skills and. Um, and, um, you know, using the ball well, um, I think that's such an evident gap for us or a need that, um, you know, I wonder whether he's been trying to fill that for a while. So I, I think that's the question the grapevine asked about, do you pick best available or needs? Sort of it's a, probably a nice coming together of factors when the best available fits your needs. And um, so I was thrilled that they seemed to target players with um, good kicking skills because I think, you know, it's, as I talked about last um, during the season, it's, it's never been more important to have players who don't turn the ball over. Um, and who did he say would be playing from the back line? I believe it was Jake uh, Bowie. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, um, Because I, I was said on Demonland, I wrote on Demonland that I, for us that's a real gap. Um, is that Caleb Daniels, who he's been compared to a bit, that role of playing between the arcs. Um, if you think about it, Caleb Daniels, he's a halfback flanker, but he, he plays a lot up the ground, the way Salem was in the sort of second half of this season, uh, the last season. And the sort of connector between the arcs, as Goody likes to say, um, in that transition forward, he doesn't miss targets. Um, you know, often those 30, 40 metre kicks that, link, you know, link in the chain takes the kick uh, into the uh, corridor or the bailout safe. So we really need that. We don't have – we've got Salem, um, I guess, who can play that, but we we definitely need another player maybe off the other half-back flank with Salem. So, yeah, I think it's fantastic. And uh, Rosman looks like he's got a bit of X factor about him. And um, yeah, I think Jason Taylor likes to take those players, the speculative picks that are, um, you know, that – uh, might have something in them that isn't sort of immediately evident. I imagine it would have been very difficult for for the recruiters, given that they didn't get to see, um, pretty much didn't see anything of of these guys this year. So, um, you know, usually some of these guys, like the guys we picked, were were they only saw them as seventeen year olds. So. Uh, there's sometimes a lot of growth um, from players who sort of take the next step up and then there are players that 
that might sort of not come on uh, as strong in their 18-year-old year. Um, so, yeah, let's hope uh, we've got it right with these guys. Um, Just on that, Annie, I thought it was interesting that Jason said that he, um, uh, him and the team watched a bit of uh, live stream from uh, Western Australia and I think also the South Australia, I presume, that's the main vision they saw during the season because I guess they were playing um, junior footy, yet still picked up three Victorian um, boys. So um, just goes to show, I guess. And uh, last year after what, two, I mean, it was at all three of our picks last year were uh, interstate players. So, That's correct. yeah. I think I think critically as well, we, we didn't pick anyone who excelled in the South Australian Grand Finals, um, given our, our bad history in those uh, areas. The Tompas Cups, or the yeah, yeah, or the yeah, yes. Um, all right, we'll uh, we'll move we'll move things along. Uh, uh, did you guys watch uh, the members information night the other night? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Uh, yep. George, you yeah, def- it? definitely. Always interested in those those sort of things. Yeah. So so the members information night we had the other night. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, uh, I'll talk about uh, uh, we had Gary Pert on sort of talking about um, the review that was conducted uh, about the club. Uh, I, I don't think they sort of said a lot, but without sort of giving away information. Uh, but one of the things they kept bringing up was this psychological resilience um, that needs to be worked on. Um, uh, you know, we've noticed. You know, <laughs> Blind Freddy would <laughs> couldn't. You know, uh, has noticed that um, from week to week, from quarter to quarter, week to week. Um, you know, uh, we can go from uh, you know champions to to wooden spooners in the space of a quarter or a week, and um, you know, we've sort of got to do something about that mental resilience, but. Nothing was really sort of. They highlighted a lot of our deficiencies, but there was sort of not much of. I don't know. To me, I didn't find there was any information of what we're going to do uh, to sort of fix any of that stuff. Um, grapevine, uh, not grapevine. Uh, George, uh, would you t- take out of out of the review? Yeah, I I think a lot of people might forget, um, and there was a lot of criticism, particularly on Demon Land, about before the, the review um, took place about the need to look uh, really solidly at what was uh, required to get us to that next stage that we're all hopeful. Um, and and if you look at where we've finished up with, um, given the um, problematic um, uh, financial situations that all clubs are now in in terms of coaching staff and support staff and medical staff even and the limitations that have been imposed by the AFL you know we've we've brought in um, last year Richardson this year we've brought in Williams they've completely reshuffled uh, brought in Uze as well uh, they've reshuffled the roles extensively with the players and I suspect the same sort of things happening in those areas like the psychological areas where you need to really concentrate now on on using your resources to to the best advantage. So people who thought that you know nothing much will get done or uh, Pert will t- uh, take a backward step and it'll be the same old story and the same old crew. When you look at the end results, I think this is a, a really dramatic difference in the support 
uh, services around uh, Simon Goodwin and perhaps off the field as well. Um, it's you know disappointing when we heard in that uh, interview with Jason Taylor the um, the the cuts that occurred in the recruiting areas, but um, with the with these. AFL imposed limitations. There's not much we can do about it, and um, that's happening across all the staff, uh, the admin staff, and like I said, it's been happening at other clubs extensively as well. They mentioned uh, he mentioned that Alan Richardson is now in charge of the AFL men's pro- uh, program and the installing of new assistance. Assistance. Uh, we targeted uh, Uze because he's been acknowledged as one of the best assistants uh, in the AFL. Um, uh, Stafford, um, they acknowledged him as, you know, being, having a huge hand in making Max, you know, the best Ruckman, uh, in the league. Um, and now Stafford's going to be, have a more broader assistant role. Uh, he's working with the forward line. Um, I'm just a couple of the notes that I had from that. Um, uh, he mentioned that, um, you know, skill execution against top teams needs to be worked on. Um, and in this, in that Williams coming to the club, and we'll talk about uh, Choco Williams in a moment, um, will be a great teacher. Um, and, but uh, one of the things that I'm excited about and then having seen vision of is the elite training facility that we've got uh, down at Casey. Uh, they mentioned that the preseason. Uh, will be done exclusively at, at Casey on the MCG size ground, and that's going to make a huge difference. They've got one of those that uh, they've built an indoor uh, kicking facility that every other club uh, seems to have, um, and that's going to be used all year round, uh, regardless of the weather. Um, I, I guess the fact that we're training out at Casey is not good news for, for people like yourself, George, who likes to go down to training, uh, as we discussed before the show. Uh, I like to come down to training, but it seems like uh, training is going to be a bit of a lockout uh, this year. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I am excited about this Casey facility. Yeah, the the, the, the other thing was uh, uh, Jordan Lewis uh, was uh, touted as turning up in February, March, as on a part time basis as well. And we all know Jordan's um, greater skill was um, his kicking ability, particularly under pressure. So hopefully. Um, uh, utilising his capabilities will be helpful as well to the to the players. Biman, you wanted to add something? Yeah, just on the the information night in general. I mean, obviously, it's a bit of an unusual situation. The zooming, although we've all got used to it a bit, so that was my, moving my um, volume. Uh, but I thought there was a bit of a weird energy with it, and like you you mentioned, the review, the discussion, Pert. Pert was talking a bit about the fact that it was about the football. This was the, the focus was going to be on the football, but a third of the information that was discussed were really things that were probably in the financial space, like the the ground, even the Casey stuff. He talked about the how important the indoor space was, and um, but you know there was obviously the, at the top there was a fair bit of conversation about the. Um, um, the 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 new the ground, what we might be doing with that, the social club around the MCG with no real new information and certainly nothing that any fan would go away thinking, well, great, we're on, um, we've started the journey on that. Like really nothing from, which is not um, that surprising, I guess. Um, but it was sort of funny to take up so much time to tell us so little on something that he was at pains to say initially that, you know, the night was about football. 
So I thought it was a bit sort of, as you say, there wasn't really much dialogue about what to change, but it felt a little bit for me in that review that my sense is sort of putting your stamp on things is how it felt for me and um, quite, you know, curious sort of, you know, as you said, Choco Williams coming in, Richardson staying and moving into another role. I know we'll talk about it in a second and I thought the other very curious thing was the complete lack of... um, uh, discussion about or thanks to Mahoney. So, Marnie. Well, I, w- I was going to bring that up a- as well. Um, I thought that was extremely strange. Um, I'm not sure what happened with that, uh, and I'm sure it, all, anyone listening to this podcast is, is aware that Josh Marnie uh, has taken up a role at Essendon. He's, he's no longer with us. For them not to, uh, uh, do you think it was an oversight of them uh, not mentioning him at all? I, I can't imagine it was an oversight. I don't know if there was any bad blood. I don't know if this sort of came out of the blue. Um, uh, can any of you offer any insight into what might have happened there? Because I thought it was, it was, one, strange that they didn't mention him or thank him for his 13 years, I believe, at the club. Um, uh, B-Man, do, can you offer any insight there? If it's an oversight, it's a poor oversight, um, unless it's conscious. And, and given the fact they had a list of people they did thank, um, yeah. it would seem a double oversight then, wouldn't it? Which doesn't make it very likely that they, you know, it seems more likely than not that they consciously decided not to thank him. Who knows what that, what that indicates? I mean, maybe the sort of timing of it directly after the draft. But, you know, look, I mean, I, for me, discussion about those off-field roles, I never feel I have enough information to mm. to bring anything to the table particularly. Um other than, you know, just feedback from what you hear around the traps. But 13 years is a long time at a footy club in multiple different roles. And, you know, that's a tough 13-year stretch at any football club mm. for being at the D's during that. You get less time for um, serious manslaughter than 13 years at Melbourne Footy Club in the last decade and a bit. So, yeah, it was definitely curious, I thought. And I don't know, it just, to me it seems a bit bad form either way. You either forgot it, it's bad form, not to at least acknowledge him. Maybe you don't have to thank him and leave people to read between the lines, but not to at least acknowledge uh, his contribution seemed a bit bad form to me. Um, Great, Viney, you, uh, have you uh, rejoined us uh, here? I see you are there. I have. Uh, you would have thought you'd uh, get pretty good internet service when you're living five kilometres from the centre of town in Australia at the end of 2020, but alas. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Um, can you offer us any any insight into uh, perhaps uh, the non-mention of uh, Josh Marnie and his con- contribution? I did. No, I only to agree with Bin Man's comments that uh, it was strange. Um, I just wonder whether the timing of it all um, was a, a factor, but I suppose you've also got to ask the question, presumably the club were aware that um, he'd thrown his hat in the ring for the Essendon job. So, uh, yeah, I sort of find it hard to believe that it was sprung upon them at the last minute, but uh, a curious one because, um, as as many would say, um, he certainly deserved a, a thank you and a goodbye. So they talked about, uh, he talked quite a bit about, well, the, the home base, but it really was uh, nothing, nothing new. He said that he comes every day to work. And that's totally. what they talk about. That's all he, he does all day. Uh, but there is no new information about that. But I guess, I mean, given the COVID situation, I don't know what's sort of happening. Um, and there's financial concerns. Um, 
you know, one person brought up in the Q&A part of it is why are other clubs getting all this money um, to develop their training facilities and we're not getting anything for this? And I think that was answered well that they're getting money for things that they currently have and this isn't the, the search for the home base isn't something we already have in our hot little hands. So we're not getting any money uh, to develop something that we don't have. Um, but I, on the flip side, I hope that uh, the government is assisting us in, in being able to secure a facility that's uh, close to the G. But, uh, George, where, where do you think this base is going to be? I, I think from all the noises coming from Glen Bartlett and Pert is that it will be in and around Gosh's Amy Park. Um, there doesn't seem to be any discussion about beyond beyond that. And quite frankly... I don't think anybody has come up with um, a, a football-sized oval piece of ground that's within range of the MCG other than those two options or that option on its own. I think well, the, because it, particularly because the football, the MCG-sized ground is the main, um, you know, the main point that they want to get. They made a big deal of that's why we're going to be training at Casey. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I I think that that that's the difficulty um, with their situation. You now, at the last AGM, they they uh, came out and said they were you know plans were well developed. Um, da da da. We've heard that for the last thirty years, and obviously nothing's happened this year. And while there's good reasons uh, for nothing further having happened, uh, I think it's really telling that as one of the um, people who ask the questions, why are the others getting all this money? It's actually putting us further and further behind. Not only haven't we got a prime training facility, but these other clubs who've got a prime training facility are now topping up and improving their facilities uh, and we haven't, haven't even got to first base. So it's really telling. Um, you, you hear the news in the last couple of days that um, Melbourne City Soccer Club have moved to Casey um, uh, where they'll have four um, floodlit uh, soccer grounds available to them, and I think Casey Council's thrown in twenty-three million dollars, if I if I'm correct. Um, that shows you the size of the of, of what what we require um, to even catch up to the very basics of what the other clubs have currently got. So I hope I hope I really pray that something. Uh, gets done pretty soon about this because, like I said, we're we're falling further and further behind when everybody else is uh, moving on. Hawthorne's got an somewhere between an eighty and a hundred and twenty million dollar facility um, program for Dingley. Uh, I think uh, Adelaide have got a new facility at West Lakes of a similar sort of monetary value. Um, it just goes on and on, and and we've we've got nothing. So I think. Bartlett and Perth had to come out and say, look, yes, we recognise that, that nothing has happened because of COVID, but we're still trying. Um, I think they've put their their jobs on the line in the future from that perspective, because like I said, certainly I've been hearing this story for the last 30 years. I was going to say that it's interesting, the psychology of COVID, um, the, my perspective at least, and I wonder if it's changed some of the players on the sort of idea of Casey, it seems, you know, for me, it's a long way away. I'm over the other side of town, but um, there was always this thing. It's got to, you know, you've got to train um, in a goshes. That's where we're uh, um, we are. But I wonder, with you know, as you say, Andy, it looked fantastic. The the footage of Casey, mm. the ground looks immaculate. 
Pert was banging on about the uh, in the indoor spot, which I guess is a big barn to kick a footy in. Um, and I know they've got a new gym there and all of that sort of equipment. So that does sound like it's pretty close to the sort of standard AFL level. You know, maybe now with COVID and having a whole season up in Queensland, the, the, you know, they won't mind um, driving down in their $50,000 car for an hour to play, to train, rather than a Gosh's Paddock because Gosh's Paddock is obviously central, but it's pretty problematic in terms of it's got no, it's not even got a t- toilet there, so. Mm. Well, there's, there's one toilet, but it's been there for 120 years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how does the club look as a you know for prospective recruits and um, players coming across and draft picks and that if you've you know got one ground that doesn't have a toilet and then another one that's um, you know a fifty minute drive from town basically no one wants to be doing that every day and it's more than a fifty minute drive I, I I don't think I would I certainly wouldn't like it I mean I'm not saying <laughs> I, I I do anything to play AFL footy I'm and my age uh, isn't on my side, but uh, so I drive anywhere. But maybe that's yeah. why they're tr- getting all their Sandringham players in the team, you know, because from there it's only probably <laughs> yeah. a twenty-five minute drive. <laughs> so we also had uh, uh, Tim Lamb, the the list manager. He spoke uh, just about uh, sort of our our trading and our, our draft position, sort of. Uh, you know, gave a rundown of why we did what we did and, and sort of the order we did it. Uh, you know, we wanted to get Ben Brown in as, as tall support for Sam Wiedemann and Luke Jackson, and we all think that's going to be a great idea. That pre- talked about the Proust trade and the Hannon trade and, you know, trying to w- obtain the best possible outcome for the, for the club. Um, uh, they wanted to enhance our draft position, given that we had uh, given away our first uh, draft pick uh uh, for, you know, as part of the Cosy trade. Um, but in order to do that this year, we've had to give away next year's thing. And, you know, we spoke to um, we spoke to Jason Taylor sort of about that. Um, and we, like, we, we sort of, it seems that we uh, achieved all of our aims. Uh, you know, he highlighted what the draft position was before all the trade period and what it was afterwards. And, you know, we had moved, moved up the order. Um, uh, and then... Giving that summary, you know, that uh, over the past two years we've had six top 30 picks um, and in- included in those six uh, four first rounders. So, and, and in addition, we've been able to uh, sort of add uh, sort of experienced players to fill particular needs in, in Langdon, Tomlinson, and, and Brown. Um, so, uh, that was sort of a nice sort of wrap up uh, from a list perspective. Uh, Grape Viney, uh, are you happy with the way we've been trading um, over the past few years? Yes, I like the idea of um, always trading out next year's first rounder and then dealing with that um, next year uh, on the never never. Um, that's sort of good debt as far as I'm concerned. So um, thumbs up. Of course, Josh Marnie's been the man behind all that um, in recent years, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if that remains the tactic going forward without him. Uh, anything, uh, you boys, the other big man, you want to add to, to our, our trading uh, strategies? Uh, I was curious. They, they mentioned the um, mathematician. I sort of pictured a boy genius hunkered over his computer working out all of the future picks and draft picks and points and, um, um, you know, maybe he's replacing Josh. Um, so, yeah, I, 
it's all a bit too complex for me. So uh, that forward thing, but uh, um, I like the con- the concept. Um, Grapevine of trading forward. Why not? Like we're we, we're in our window. We like next year. What's that about? You know, let's get. Yeah, exactly. The the one thing from the night that I found. I mean, as I said, there was it. There was not as much football talk that Pert suggested. Like there was even one of the, presumably they chose who they were going to take questions from. hundred oh, percent. They they, they they had the answers almost prepared. Yeah. So they said Pert at one said, "This is really you know that's a question for the AGM because this is about football." And one of the pre-prepared questions was about how much money was raised in the. Um, and uh, and in uh, in whatever the name of the fundraising thing um, was, which he then went into some detail with the answer. So I thought that was kind of weird. And but the for me the most interesting part of the session was Burgess's reaction to. I think there was a question. It might have even been that question actually about the fundraiser. Um, and that he came back to a question that a previous um, person had asked about. Uh, cans and what had happened up there and I thought his body language and his tone was was really interesting about um, pushing back on the I guess suggestion that they heard in going up on the day and making it pretty clear that it wasn't their call and that they weren't happy about it and that um, the other club had three days um, uh, preparation for me that was the most interesting part of the night um, and you know hope Pert with all these sort of he seems like a bit of an alpha dog I hope he was sort of in um, in the uh, office of Gill or at least zooming in there and letting his displeasure known. Well, I think we we uh, suspected that at the time. If we might have even known it at the time that it was out of our hands, um, that uh, the, the AFL had booked the flights and because of COVID we sort of didn't have a, a choice. Uh, I think who do we play first, the Swans? They were up there already because they were actually hubbing, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in Cairns, and we were just to fly in, fly out. Uh, oh, did we we'd actually? Been, did we we'd, been, we'd been in Adelaide. Yeah. Adelaide. We'd been in Cairns. Yeah. They they came up from Adelaide, so I think we came in. Yeah, we uh, sorry, not Cairns. We played in um, Alice Springs. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And Andy, didn't you have some other further insight on on what happened exactly on that day? Oh yeah, I I I heard from Max that um, you know they, not so we we flew we were we flew from I think the Gold Coast so we oh, no we weren't no, on the Gold Coast we, we no but yeah but we were on in Mar- uh, Maroochydore yeah yeah so we went from you know I had to take the bus uh, to Maroochydore from Maroochydore to Brisbane uh, board the plane um, were on the tarmac I think for an hour, look, I can't remember the act, but we were on the tarmac for a long time. Uh, something something had happened. We flew in. We were already running late. They, I don't think they even had time to put their bags or to go to the hotel and drop off their bags. They had to go straight to the ground and they're already late um, and then play the game and, and all that. So, um you know, and what's the bus trip from um, Maroochydore to Brisbane? It's an uh, hour and two hours, I think. Hour, two two, hours. hour and a half, two hours, yep. Yeah. So you add up all that time that it took to get there and then And then, and then Brisbane, Brisbane, well, Brisbane, Cairns is another three hours, I think, in the plane. Yeah, and then it's torrential rain up there. And yeah. You know, it was 
the, there was a sort of dove and like a, a duck and dive around um, Proust because the question was in relation to Proust. You know, I think someone had asked, well, you know, you played Proust in those conditions, and I thought Richardson answered that question pretty well about the fact they missed Jackson and they liked the uh, the structure. Basically, saying Wiedemann needed that structure of another big was the implication. Um, but yeah, I like the way I like Burgess's response, and you know, there's that debate about i just think you know that's not an excuse that's a that's a reasonable thing to raise and um um yeah of course we didn't come up for the game and who knows what what's behind that and you know the resilience stuff and all of that but nonetheless it was we got shafted um and you know i think that we hopefully we'll we'll get something coming back our way this uh, next season in the draw but i wouldn't you know hold my breath for it uh well well, goody was uh one of the points that he made was uh to say, you know, we're not making excuses for those the cans uh, schmozzle. I think he referred to it as, uh, but but here are some reasons, <laughs> and that you know, sort of the travel to cans was brought up, um, not in as much detail um, as I might have just provided now with with what happened, but uh, yeah. Uh, ben Brown, uh, they had a Q&A, and I'm really impressed with Ben Brown. I, I like how he presents himself. Uh, I think he'll be quite a good uh, leader and, and sort of spokesperson for the club. Um, really wrapped uh, with him. Um, said that he's currently in Tassie uh, and he mentioned that he'll be right to go once he returns in January, uh, that his knee's right to go. So let's hope uh, he said it's feeling good. Um, thoughts on on that, uh, Grapeviney? Uh, I got a letter in the post box the other week that uh, had Ben Brown's name on it, and I was quite tempted to open and just see uh, what kind of correspondence a full forward does receive. But um, I respected his privacy and, and left it at that. I, I'm like you; I'm very excited. He's an experienced player. Um, he'll be able to offer leadership in the forward line um, and to Wiedemann and Jackson in particular. And, uh, yeah, if he's, if he's over his injuries, then there's no reason why he can't get back to his very best form and, uh, and kick a bag of goals. Well, he mentioned that um, he feels like he has the level of footy still in him to kick 60 goals a year again. Um, I don't know if the game uh, is going to allow for 60 goals to be kicked again as much as the AFL would like lots of goals being kicked uh, but we need goals and we need uh, sort of a uh, to have a guy there that's going to sort of assist the games of, of Wiedemann and uh, Luke Jackson because uh, Wiedemann we've seen sort of what what's happened when he's all all alone and gets double double triple teamed uh, that's not going to happen with Ben Brown in the team and definitely not going to happen uh, I do, what, how do you think it's uh, – we might have talked about this uh, in the last podcast. Um, how, how do you think it's going to work, our forward line this year? Do you think we're going to play the three in there? Uh, George, I might throw that to you first. Uh, that's the uh, $64 question, isn't it? Um, I, I think Brown's an absolute Monty. Um, it's assuming that he's uh, fit and, and uh, but he's certainly capable. Um, I think the uh, – uh, it's, it's easier to look overlook uh, Brown's history and, and statistics uh, at AFL level because he's been playing at North Melbourne and most people don't notice it. But uh, the guy's been in the system for seven years and uh, apart from his first and last seasons, he's um, uh, played 
uh, in the middle there. He played 120 games consecutively. Uh, three times he's kicked over uh, 60 goals. He's been twice runner-up in the uh, Coleman and once third in the Coleman. So if, if Ben Brown alone was playing uh, with us this year, we would we, we would have played finals and probably would have finished up in top four. I think that's that's how critical he is to the to the well-being of the side. It's going to be interesting to see um, uh, how the rest of the forward line fits in. Um, Jackson, I think, uh, may I'm I'm not sure that Jackson is totally a, a forward. I think he's got that capability of being a, a tall midfield ruckman who moves forward. He's just so athletic, you could put him almost anywhere. Uh, Wiedemann, sadly, I'm not sold on. Um, he's got a long way to go. He's been in the system five years. This is his sixth this season. Um, so the, the, for me, the um, the jury's still out on him. So, um, But I think the important thing is Brown in there will straighten us up in a big way and also give the opportunity that um, uh, the small forwards uh, that we have and potentially we will have uh, will be able to capitalise on that. You know, Richmond have shown it uh, dramatically in their premiership years. You put a Lynch in there with a with a um, uh, Rewald playing alongside him, it not only straights them up, but their their small forwards then become really, really dangerous. So um, uh, hopefully the addition of Brown will just strengthen us all round in multiple ways other than him just kicking goals. Uh, we also had uh, Goody speaking and Max and, you know, sort of we heard the same things we hear out of the two of them. Uh, so I don't think we need to go into too much uh, there. Um, the other thing, Burgess um, spoke, I, I love this guy. I really hope we can keep him. I know there's been speculation that he might be uh, gone. He might not gone as in we'll get rid of him, but he might leave at the end of next year. But uh, I, I, I'm wrapped that we've still got him and hopefully we can learn as much from him. Um, uh, you know, talked about the challenges of being in the harbour challenge for all of the staff. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they sort of had to make some quick calls to get, um, you know, some uh, medical professionals at very short notice to get them into the hub. Um, uh, they mentioned that the that um, the break, the COVID break, sort of uh, took away all the advantage that uh, that we had gained from a pre-season under Burgess. So um, um, this year, let's hope uh, we can get that advantage back uh, with a second pre-season under him. Um, you just mentioned a couple of our new uh, new additions in terms of the, um, the high-performance staff. Um, and he rated the, and I don't know if that's just him rating his current team, but uh, he rated the high-performance team as good as any uh, high-performance team he's ever worked with um, and then said uh, mentioned that uh, this year's off-season is going to be brutal. Um, I, like to, I like to hear that. Um, just a couple of points. Before you go on, just the last thing that we hear, I think we hear way too much in football is that the players have come back in fantastic condition, uh, but it is good to hear. Um, just a couple of thoughts from Burgess as well. He mentioned um, just two surgeries. Um, I think um, maybe Oliver's shoulder, um, but he would be good to go. But it's uh, I'd forgotten Gus um, that injury because it was late in the season. He's not back running till February, yes. um, which does not all go well for a player who's pretty slow already or just, I mean, not really so much that, but just that's a big interruption, isn't it? So he he's going to be... Um, 
a big miss, but that might give um, Sparrow a good chance to to cement his spot in that midfield. I wonder. The other thing that you mentioned, Jason Taylor touched on it too, is that difficulty um, of some of the players dealing with COVID. And um, I think I thought that was really a revealing comment from Jason Taylor about how those young fellas about the question about how they were going, Mitchy and um, Jordan, and I think it was Sparrow, wasn't as well about they struggled a bit. And I think it was sort of that was struggled with a lot of things, I suspect. Um, and it just was a good, and uh, as you say, Bert just touched on it. Um, it's just a good reminder of what a difficult year it must have been for a bunch of young blokes in uh, all that, that sort of circumstance. And the other thought was that um, not just the COVID break taking that advantage away, I think the 16 minutes really hurt, um, took away a lot of that uh, fitness edge as well. Well, he did met EO before... Uh... Uh, before you go on, um, uh, he did mention that um, you know the twenty-minute quarters are back, but uh, we've got the seventy-five rota- down to seventy-five rotations. Um, so there, there's the advantage if we can get our our players in good nick. Uh, does Clayton Oliver have shoulder surgery every year? <laughs> I, I believe he has so far. <laughs> I believe so. So he he did mention that he is back training now, but uh, won't have contact until uh, sometime in January. And then, as you mentioned, um, uh, Gus won't be training until February. But uh, it's good to know that there's only those two off-season surgeries. I think there were a few minor ones, but it's not going to have any impact or any interruptions to anyone's pre-season. So that's uh, an, another tick uh, that's uh, much better than a few seasons ago when we had half the team uh, in the doctor's office. Um I think that's sort of it from the night, uh, unless anyone's got any. Uh, the only other thing was that uh, uh, Purdy mentioned that uh, we probably we will be making a, a loss, uh, which is no surprise. But uh, uh, due to some other factors, uh, including the you know proud to belong, proud to give, and, and uh, you know some other sponsorship things, it's not going to have. There's not going to be an eight. And I assume he means eight million in front of it, and it seems like we'll have about a two million or so loss. So um, uh, not as devastating as they thought it might have been. The only other thing from the night was there was a really brief, and I can't remember who said it, discussion about Tom McDonald. I think it might have been yep, the first. Question. That's in it. Yep. Um, and we talked about it the last podcast, but it, it's such a curious um, situation. I mean. So we're talking about Col- um, Bren Brown, Bren Brown pushing for a Coleman. I mean, as we talked about um, a few weeks back, so did Tom McDonald in 2018, and they indicated he was going to be playing back by all accounts on Demonland. He's lost sort of some weight. Um, I, I just think it's a really fascinating. There's no plan for him to be in the forward line by the sound of it. Um, well, uh, Goody did say, or I. I think it was Goody or whoever was talking about it uh, said, did they mention that he'd lost five kilos? I, I think I read that on Demon Land, but yeah, I, I wrote that. But I, I, when I was writing, but <laughs> I think I think it was five. But he did mention he'd play initially as a forward, but don't rule not to rule out a positional change. So I guess if we could get some track watchers down to training, we, we'd see who he's training with. Uh, but I think he's got to get back into the team first. Um, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like the discussion that we had about the forward setup, regardless of the combination that they they end up going with, I just hope it gets resolved yeah. early on. Um, I don't want to get to the you know 
um, midway point of the still season, sh- we spent the first half of the year um, playing mix and match and looking for the best uh, mix. So um, hopefully that gets better down sooner. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's such a this go happy man. Sorry, uh, Andy. That was that issue of chopping and changing. I, I you know, th- for me, that was one of the biggest disappointments of the season. Is you know, beginning with the small forward line, you know, moving and changing the back line, moving and changing the. You know, I just thought it was, yeah, exactly right. We've got to have it stable, the same sort of system locked in place. It's almost as if they had decided at some point, well, we're we're going to experiment this season and we'll go with it rather than you know, controlling the things they could control and giving the players some sort of consistency of structure. I mean, not that you want injuries, but you only want to be making changes uh, to your setup if there are injuries and, uh, uh, yeah, you want to get it uh, locked in early on. I think it was interesting when we were talking about the forward setup, none of us mentioned Tom McDonald uh, at all. So um, that says something. Isn't, oh, you did? Isn't, okay. <laughs> isn't that the, uh, the the good thing about what we're talking about in the sense that um, we've all of a sudden compared to 2019 in particular, we've got options pretty well at every um, uh, position throughout the field now that Tom McDonald can play forward, can play back, um, that you can uh, slot in even some of the new draftees, can play on the wing, some can play forward. Uh, we're not going to be in the position where we're going to be desperate, I don't think, for um, trying to find a suitable uh, player to, to fit into a spot. There's Basically, um, there's going to be competition for spots throughout the whole ground. And I think this is um, ultimately drives down to the uh, uh, strategies that the club's done around the um, trading and drafting, is that we're in the premiership window now, despite some reports in the paper might have said uh, when we've got people like um, Viney, who's 26, 27 at the moment, um, the players are in that um, prime role of 50 to 100 games. You've got a good number of these experienced players on the field. Now's the time that we've got to actually try to get, you know, to get that uh, premiership door well and truly open. We can't afford to be... Um, trying to spend a lot of time developing young players anymore. We've got to get the take the opportunities now and the addition of someone like Ben Brown and in the past Langdon and Tomlinson, um, that's the, they're the players who can get us over that next um, hurdle that we need to need to make. So very hopeful for this year. I don't know whether we'll get a premiership. They're, they're very you have to be very lucky to be able to get one at, at the end of the day, but I think we're putting ourselves in the right position. Interesting to hear Jason Taylor say that Harrison Petty will be um, training with the backs mm. rather than. The I thought so too, great friend. And, and for me, when I was trying to think about who's out of that side, um, that's potentially an A grader. Um, really, he's the only one that comes to mind. I don't know what his ceiling is, but he's clever. He's got good hands. Um, it probably doesn't bode well for Tom McDonald because Petty's ahead of him. I suspect down back, um, and. Uh, so yeah, I think that was that was quite interesting. He was pretty quick to say it as well, and um, so you know we've you've got Petty, I think Petty taking Tomlinson's spot down there, Petty May and Lever. That's pretty solid um, big three down there, and who knows maybe they'll play six bigs up forward. <laughs> well, watch this space. We just we just drafted a whole lot of smalls as well, so. Uh... 
Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, the Mark uh, Choco Williams uh, appointment, uh, that sort of came out of the blue. Um, I might ask you, George, because uh, you sort of know these things, uh, what's, what's, what's his role uh, and what's Alan Richardson's role? How, how, how is that all working um, and how do you think it will work together in tandem? I, I don't, don't know that I'm an expert on these areas whatsoever. Um, <laughs> To this, quite honestly, to this date, I don't quite know what Alan Richardson's role is. You know, he's now, now supposedly the head of AFL performance, um, but what, what he was doing exactly last year is un, unknown to me. So, if any of the other uh, uh, listeners or, or people on this program can tell us, please do so. Um, I think Choc, Choco Williams seems to have um, a history, uh, not uh, post Port Adelaide. I think he went to. A, uh, Werribee and then to Richmond, where he seems to be um, highly regarded in terms of player development. Um, certainly since we lost to Brendan McCartney, I don't know uh, that there's been the sufficient emphasis on it. Uh, Matthew Egan was doing it last year, but again, you really can't judge what, what was going on uh, in to, uh, 2020 with COVID situation. Um, but I think Williams has a dedicated development role um, from reports from various people who've uh, been associated with clubs uh, with him. He's a, he's a, a, a stern taskmaster and, and maybe that's what's needed. Um, but his, his emphasis seems to be on uh, getting people's kicking skills up to the required level and quite honestly, the evidence that, that um, uh, uh, the change in for, uh, at Richmond for in particular with a uh, some of their players under his tutelage has been dramatic. So um, if he can do the same thing for us, that'd be fantastic. In corporate speak, he's got plenty of opportunity for imp- improvement at the Melbourne Footy Club in that space. <laughs> well, uh, I w- it was noted uh, the other day, uh, some of the pictures from training with the with the balls that he's been responding. I'm not sure if he came up with the idea or if he's just the face of it or if it's a partnership with him and and sharing footies, but that's those footies with the lines on them, and supposedly to help help uh, your kicking skills. Uh, but then, I, I, while I was sort of posting about that, I remembered that uh, I sort of had a flashback from last year of posting the exact same thing. Um, and it seems and then I went back and I found the post from last year, sort of copying and pasting from the Sharon uh, website. And yes, we, we were using them last year. So uh, I'm not sure if they, they helped us at all, but uh, they, they are back. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned on the, the training thread, let's, let's hope having the, the boss uh, down there, he can show them exactly how to use the, those footies. It's interesting that... Um... Uh, in that time between Port Adelaide and Richmond when he was at Werribee, he was also spent a couple of years at the Ajax Football Club in the Amateurs. And I think the interesting bit of that is that Ajax are not A-grade, are not an A-grade club. I don't know. Were they in C? I think when, now. They now? Um, so, yeah, it's sort of pretty unusual for someone so high profile to go back to a smaller club like that when they don't have, you know, some sort of... Um, you know, grassroots connection or, or history there. So um, I think that just demonstrates his his real passion for the game, mm. doesn't it? And uh, I guess, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, the various roles, but I, I'm hoping that he can sort of have a, a Brendan McCartney-type influence um, 
on the players. That yeah, I, I, it's a curious one because you hear about his difficult manager. Who knows what that is? Strikes me as a sort of a pert call again, like making a call around. And my first thought was how will he and um, uh, Goody work together? But I, I, I see his role similar, Grapevine, in terms of um, the role that um, McCartney played. As much as anything, I think, in terms of player relationships, someone like, um, if, if you think about Oliver, he never thanked any of the coaching stuff. It was always Brendan McCartney or, or someone peripheral or not central. And I wonder whether he might, um, uh, William, uh, Chocker Williams might play that role of maybe sort of bringing people together a bit and a bit of a mediator between the different groups of, of blokes. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, we found out today uh, the new numbers uh, for for the new recruits. Uh, I believe um, uh, Jake Bowie is number seventeen. Uh, Bailey Laurie is sixteen, and Rosman Fraser Rosman is nineteen. And I was just trying to think who did they take over? Sixteen was Collard Jasney. Who seventeen was it was Frost, but did anyone have it in between Frost? Did anyone have seventeen last year? No. So that's uh, Frosty's old number and nine. Oh, and Hannum was nineteen, I believe. Um, so they didn't retire that number after that goal in the um, the elimination final. It's terrible. <laughs> I think Ray Griffin was number nineteen. Was Ray Griffin number nineteen for the days? That's before yeah. my time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, uh, B-Man, you, you, uh, you, uh, I believe you wanted to uh, discuss some nicknames. Uh, did you have any in, in mind? Well, no, but um, there's been some talk about Ziggy um, Bowie, but it's the wrong pronunciation. Uh, the wrong spelling, you mean? Oh, about, oh Bowie, Bowie. It's Bowie, not so. It's like, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's got a pretty red head. So, um, no, but I think that uh, they all need um, some nicknames that will stick through their career. I'm sure their teammates will land on something. But um, Fraser Rodman's name sort of is quite, I guess, a bit hoi polloi with Fraser being a first name. So maybe something for him. He looks he looks a lot like uh, or a little bit like Earl He Stone. does, actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, the Duke. So. Yeah, someone someone put up a, a picture in comparison, and um, yeah, more than a passing. Oh, that's that's not a bad nickname. You wouldn't mind the Duke, would you? <laughs> I don't think anyone at currently at the club, in terms of the players, would would get the reference. Um, <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, um, I, 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 you, I, uh, win win for the D's. Uh, pointed out that uh, for Fraser Rosman, uh, he, he was very excited because we'd uh, recruited an 18-year-old Jewish carpenter, so there's a lot of upside there. Well, I, I, I think um, I think it's uh, – oh, I just lost it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so – They all uh, spoke pretty well, I thought, because um, they spoke on the night, didn't they? They Yes, yeah, yeah. I did have. Uh, he was a pretty confident young fellow. He's uh, the Duke. So he he was uh, quite confident. He he, and I wouldn't call it uh, an arrogance. He was like, I you know, I really want to do the best I can, and uh, he's going to work his ass off. So uh, yeah, I I liked it. I liked uh, 
and let's hope he can back it up. Let's let's hope his um, his football's as good as his running abilities. His uh, sub uh, six minute two two kilometer tri- time trial. I think he ran a five fifty two at the combine, which was which at the time set a new record but was subsequently beaten but uh he's he's fast um he's a apparently a, a, a before he took up football seriously he was a four and 800 meter runner so um he might be exactly what we need on the other wing for langdon and they took him pretty high like pick 32 um like in some of the bo- other draft boards he, he wasn't up sort of that high in terms of listings, but um, sort of it goes a bit to what I was saying about Jason Taylor likes those um, speculative picks, I think. Uh, what I uh, just to back up what I said before about uh, it's not an arrogance, but it's a sort of a confidence. Uh, he mentioned that uh, if he doesn't beat them one on one in the in the marking area, he'll beat them with his endurance and speed. And I, I just like the way he sort of said that. Uh, it's good, uh, you know. It's sort of good for a player to sort of. Uh, and it's not about having tickets on yourself because I don't think it was that, uh, but uh, it's good to have a bit of confidence in yourself and, uh, yep, I like it. Um, yeah, I was going to mention what I was going to say before was I think they do like to, we like to draft these uh, the, these redheads and uh, let's just hope there's lots of uh, sunscreen available uh, during preseason training because uh, uh, Clary's been hogging it. All right, boys, anything else uh, before we wrap things up? Nothing for me. Nothing? All right, boys. I think we're going to leave it there. I think we covered a, a lot of ground and uh, just want to thank uh, thank George, B-Man, Great Viney. It's been a, a fantastic year. would have been even better had we made finals. Uh, let's hope uh, next year uh, we can uh, – get deep into September. We went deep into September this year, but uh, for, for other reasons. Um, yeah, but uh, looking forward to catching up with you guys in the new year when, uh, you know, when we can talk about um, uh, some JLT games. So we'll be back. Demon Land will be back um, uh, February. And, um, yeah, well done. Thanks, guys.